Well, this morning, if you have your Bibles, and I hope that you have those with you again this morning, if you do not have a Bible, you're with us uh, for the first time, or if you've been here several times, but you don't have a Bible yet, please take and uh, steal one of ours. We won't hold it against you. That's yours uh, there in the pew or behind some of those seats. You can just take those as a gift from us to you, and, and please have a Bible there. And so if you, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn. Once again, we're back in First John. I'm going to get there myself. First John. And this morning, what we'll do is I would like for us to read uh, 1 through 10. We're in chapter 3, um, 1 John chapter 3, and I'm going to read one, uh, 1 through 10, but we'll actually be looking specifically at 1 through 3, 1 through 3. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, let us, let us stand together if we can in the reverence of God's Word as we read this this morning together. God's word says there, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. So we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children. Now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is, everyone, and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes the practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins. In him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, and the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him. He cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. This is, this is, this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Let us pray really quickly if we can over this word. Father God, we come before you this morning once again. Lord, we pray that your word can do what no preacher can do. Lord, your word is where, 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 where truth is found. Lord, your word is where power is found. And Lord God, we, we, we thank you that it is sharper than any double-edged sword, able to do what men's mouth cannot do. So Lord, we lift up the word of God first and foremost. Lord, would you also be with the tongue that speaks this morning from this podium. Lord, I pray that we would know you Clearly, love you more deeply. Serve you, Lord. Part of gratitude. Grace and mercy that you've given us. We love you and thank you for your word. Be with us now as we unpack it this morning together. It is your name we pray, Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Well, this morning, the, the sermon title is Adoption, Established as God's Children. 
So this morning what we're going to do is we're going to actually look at this doctrine of election, excuse me, not election, it's kind of close, you'll see that in a minute, this doctrine of adoption, doctrine of adoption. This is not a test. As we're going through 1 John, I told you there will be at least a 9 to 10 tests that we'll look at, um, and then there's a couple of moments where there weren't tests. And so this is that Sunday that we don't have a test, but we have something before us. And we'll look at this issue of sinning and practicing sin and practicing righteousness later on, but this morning... I want us to look specifically at the first three verses. Now, I'm going to ask a question this morning before we start. How many of you, how many of you have ever, well, have ever, have you been adopted or know someone who is adopted? Raise your hand. I'm just kind of curious if we know someone who's been adopted or have been adopted. How many of you have been adopted? If you're proud of that, you'd raise your hand. How many of you have been adopted here? No one. Okay. All right. So the rest of you just know someone who, who has been adopted. Okay. Well, let me say something about adoption. On, on an earthly speaking level here, um, adoption, in my estimation, is one of the most loving things I think that I can point to in this world. And I believe that in this morning's text, we will see that God has established that his relationship with people, uh, you could say uh, Jews, you could say Israel, but even more so, even more so, then we in this room, who I probably, I'm guessing most of us, if not all of us, are Gentiles. That adoption is one of the beautiful, most beautiful, most clearest expressions that we have of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I hope that as we continue to step through this, this morning, you will see the beauty of the picture of adoption, an earthly picture that we have on the planet and how it resembles, if not so much, it's established as a, something we can see and tangibly touch that points to a greater spiritual reality and truth. So this morning, let me turn this on. And, and, and Brooke, are you still there? That's okay. Just be, be ready, okay? Look at her. She, she doesn't have to do this, and now she's like, she just quit whenever and sat. She, just, she said, I forget this, I'm giving up. But I think it works. We'll see real quick, Brooke. It does, Okay. So this morning, I want us to see three uh, uh, points that we'll step through the text this morning together. Uh, number one is adoption is initiated by God, a loving father. Adoption is initiated by God, a loving father. Number two, adoption will cause the world to hate us. Adoption will cause the world to hate us. And number three, adoption provides God's children and inheritance provides God's children an inheritance. So this morning, let us look at number one. There we go. Number one, adoption is initiated by God, a loving father. Now, if you look with me, we're going to see this specifically in verse 1a of our text. And so it says there, see, see, what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. Now, the first part of our text this morning, it says, ask the question, what kind in your text? What kind? Now, the Greek word for that is a word, what kind, is, is two words, really, it's really encapsulated in one Greek word, and I want to tell you something about this word. It's a word that literally in English we don't really have a good uh, 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 word for. It cannot be connected. 
but I can give you some words that can help you understand a picture of this word in your Bibles this morning. When it says what kind, it can literally mean how great. It can mean how glorious. It means how boundless. It means how measureless. What I want you to know is when we start off this morning in the text, it says what kind of love is this? What kind? This this gives you a picture of the substance of the love. The substance of this love is glorious. The substance of the love that we're going to look at in our text this morning is boundless. The substance of the love this morning that we see is measureless. goes on to say, what kind of love? Now the word love here is a word which means divine love. Many declare this to be the purest form of love in the Greek language. This version, this, this word here for love. The word love in our text this morning, this is a non-sexual, non, it's not familial, it's not relational love. It can be relational, don't, don't get me wrong, but what I'm saying is you need to understand the substance of this love is this. Or the substance is what kind, how great, but I want you to see the character and the nature of this love. The character and the nature of this love in our text is this. It is a self-sacrificial love, self-sacrificing love, a love that seeks nothing for itself. Its motive, it's, it's the love, the, the, the gasoline the, to, to the flame of love for, for, this, for this type of love, it's always a love that is given at the behest of someone else. Gain nothing from giving the love. It's just that you give love It's one of the purest forms. It's a willing love. It's a love that's based on choice. It's a love that's based on decision rather than emotion and feelings. But we as human beings may be tempted to love those who love us, but it is very hard to love those who don't what? Love us back. This type of love may get nothing back, but it decides to continue to love well. Brothers and sisters, this is perfect love. You have done nothing to receive it, and yet someone gives it anyway, sacrificially, accepting nothing back in its place. This is the character and nature of the love. We see the substance of the love and what kind. It is great. It is balanced. It is measureless. Then we see love itself. We see the nature of this love. Now I need you to see I want you to see the amount and the abundance of this love. It says in our text, in some translation, it says, he has given. What kind of love has he has been given to us? Some of your versions may say lavished. That is the word that we have before us. When we see has given, it means lavished upon. Not only do we see the quality and character of this love this morning, But this morning we see the amount and the abundance of this love lavished upon us, given, drenched upon us, dripping, sopping wet, like standing at a fire hydrant and opening one's mouth, like standing under the Niagara Falls and saying, give me some water, is this love. The question is, what is the consummation of this love that we just looked at and just described in 1A? 
In other words, what points to the reality of this love from the text? And when right there it is, it's right there in our text. And it says there that we should be called children of God. This is the what kind of love has been given to us. But Kyle, you may ask and say to yourselves, aren't we all children of God? Meaning, is not all the human race the children of God? And therefore, aren't we all brothers and sisters? And I would say to that, yes, yes we are. And I want to follow that up with a resounding, no, we're not. Yes, no, we're not. Yes, if you are referring to the being offspring of God, meaning by which we mean that he created men and women in the image of God, yes, By that, we are children of God in the sense that we were created by him, made in the image of God. However, at the same time, I would say no, and this is why we are not, all of us in humankind, just because we are created, children of God. We are not simply by being human, God's children. And I I want to tell you this, brothers and sisters, the scripture is actually fairly clear to this reality. Throughout the book of 1 John, the one that we're in this morning, John continually differentiates between those who are the children of God and those who are children of the evil one. We have those who are the children of the light opposed to those who are the children of darkness, children of darkness. And Jesus himself does this as we see in John 8:44. John 8:44. And it says there, you are of your father, the devil. Now, Jesus, and remember, he's speaking to the Pharisees, but he's speaking to humans nonetheless. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. And he lies. He speaks out his own, excuse me, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Now, before justification, before we had uh, received redemption in Jesus Christ, we had a bit of a problem, brothers and sisters. That problem can be seen in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins at which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Listen to this among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. Listen, like the rest of who? Mankind. Theologian by the name of R.C. Sproul has said this, Nobody is born into the world a child of God. We are born as children of wrath. The only way we enter into the family of God is by adoption. That adoption occurs when we are united to God's only begotten Son by faith. When by faith we are united with Christ, we are then adopted into that family of whom Christ is firstborn. So we must understand something this morning, church. This universal fatherhood of God is not at all a scriptural reality. It's not a scriptural statement. No matter how much our culture 
desires for this to be so, it simply is not the case. And what I mean by that is there are many within our culture today who, 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 who desire to be known by God, who may not live for his glory and, and care too much about his name, but, but would absolutely love for God to listen to their prayers. They're not going to do anything to see that Christ is lifted up high, to understand his word, and to help other people to understand who he is biblically. But you know what? They still want to be children of God. And if you know the God in whom we desire to be a child of, there's no doubt why you would want to be a child of God. But just being human, just by mere walking down the street, does not make it so. Doesn't make it so. Only those who are born again in Christ are those who are children of God. And only those can claim to be God's children and he their father. Uh, Romans 8, 14. 16, John 1, 12 through 13. I want you to hear these really quickly. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. John 1, 12, 13. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, listen to this. To all who did receive him, all those who did believe in his name, look, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, not just because we are born as human beings, not born of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, not just because we simply one day woke up and said, I want more of this, nor of the will of man. Can't do it by the flesh. You can't do it by works. And the problem here is it's not even done by the will of man. Why? Because the will is absolutely broken because of the fall. We don't have mommy and daddy will like the Garden of Eden, brothers and sisters. When our mom and our father, Adam and Eve, had perfect will, and they still what? They chose incorrectly. Now we, from birth, walk with a limp all the days of our lives because our will is broken, always desiring the things that are opposed to God. The good news here is this, though. We were born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of God, but of who? God. But of God. The word here, children, in our text in 1A, and a little bit after that, means literally it's a child that lives in utter dependence upon his caretaker. To be a child of God is a moment-by-moment drawing guidance and care and nurture from another. In other words, the, the, the word here in our text this morning for children is one who is totally and absolutely dependent on a caregiver. How many of you have children growing up, have grandbabies? Have you seen a two-month-old eat a nice juicy steak that they just barbecued in the backyard? I have not seen this yet. Have you seen a six-month-old change its own diaper 
say, thanks, Mom, for buying me the pamper. There is an issue that we have before us as children. The word here means literally like we are babies. Like, so we, no matter how old you are, 50 or 60, it will not, you, in the presence of Almighty God, you are like a little baby, goo-goo and gaga, messing on itself, needing sustenance from something outside of itself for growth. I'm reminded of a story once, not a story, it happened. I was at Walmart once with my kids. Josiah was just a little tiny guy, and I kept telling Josiah, he's my second oldest, um, and I said to Josiah, he was, I forget how old he was. I, I can't remember how old he was. He was a little guy. And I looked at him. I said, you, you, know, you stay. You stay where you can constantly see Daddy, okay? You look at anything in the aisles. Go all the way down to the bottom end. Just always be where you can see me. I never said where I can see you. I said, you see me, right? Because that means where I'm going, he must go, right? Do not get to a place, go anywhere where you can't see me. Okay, okay, okay. Well, when you're looking in the toy aisle, you know, you're doing this number, and I'm like, I'm on because I've already looked in the toy aisle for 20 minutes because that's how long I stay in the toy aisle. But I'm not a kid anymore. So I don't stay for 25 minutes anymore. And so I'm walking away, and Josiah keeps kind of, I keep saying, Josiah, he comes running, where I have to go back and get him. This happened, like, this entire trip to Walmart. And finally, I just got this, like, brilliant idea to, like, be an amazing father. You be the judge after you hear the story. I said to Josiah, I said to Elijah, I said, look, we're going to go. And I'm gonna, I did something. I thought I was, like, doing something brilliant. I, Okay, it was brilliant. I got, you remember those little, you know those little racks that go around in a circle and you can get up in st- some stuff and you can get up inside of them? You know what I'm talking about? Here I am like a, probably a 30-some-odd-year-old man in there hiding when I used to do it when I was five. But we got to kind of get like in some, like hiding behind some, some clothes, uh, Elijah and myself, and I said, let's watch and see what happens. So Josiah, you need to know something about my son. He's just a, he's a sweet-spirited guy. And so he goes and he goes, he looks up, his dad didn't call him to come this time, and he looks up, and guess who he doesn't see? He doesn't see his dad. Josiah goes, Daddy. And he starts looking at strangers, and he's just backing off, like looking at him like this. Daddy. And he gets to the point that in the middle of Walmart, he begins to cry, like uncontrollably, like he's losing it. Now, at this point, I'm going, my, my great idea is making me really the most horrible father in the world. Because if you saw his face, I'll never forget the terror upon his little face. And as a father, I wanted to rescue him from that terror. And I'm the one causing the terror. He got to a point where he got outside of the, he couldn't see me. And he was scared to death. But here's the interesting thing, brothers and sisters. Guess who always saw him? I was always looking. I had my eyes right on the sun. And though he was out doing his thing, I saw him. I never kept my eyes off of him. And by God's grace and mercy, I don't care if you are a child of God in this room right now, you can get off and you can get very far away from the voice, but I'm going to tell you something about God. He always sees his kids. Amen? He sees you. I pop out right in the moment. And that little guy comes and rubs, he's he just all up in me. He's just, I'm, I'm like, I'm about, and y'all know, I don't know if you know this yet about me or not, but I cry a lot. Do you know what I was doing in Walmart? 
God, I was crying right there in the middle of the aisle. My son. This issue of adoption that we're going to look at really quickly. I need you to know something real quick. You are all this morning in an orphanage. This room is going to be our orphanage. Some of you have been in this orphanage for quite a long time. You've always desired to have a father or a mother come and receive you. For whatever reason, people have come, they've looked, and they walked on, they walked past, they walked past. The issue of adoption with God is a situation like this. It is a, it is a love that we have the substance. We have the character and the nature. We have the, the, the amount. It is lavished. God enters in and through adoption. He calls us son and daughter of God. Come to my family. Now, I need you to know something really quick. Oftentimes, we don't like to think of God a certain way. We think he's really mean if we do a certain thing. But if we, if we make God, we bring him down into an earthly level of things. We'll let earthly human beings pass, but we won't let God do that. Bring them down. If I and my wife decided to say, let's say, in our, our own, we wanted to adopt some children into our family. My wife and I have decided that we want to take three children. For whatever reasons, decided to take three. We came into this room this, mor- this morning, and we looked out at all of you. And I look at Mr. John, and I say, my wife, look at me. Man, I understand why no one's picked him. Maybe. Chris Bats, laughing, so I'm going to pick on you now. Same thing. Been waiting forever. Wendy. Always desired it. Here you guys, you've lived in this place. My wife and I come in and we say, we want to take him and we want to take him. We'd like to take her, bring them into our family and call them sons and daughters. Do you think the person who owns the orphanage is going to come to my wife and I and go, Only three? Are you serious right now? You're going to come in here and take three children? Why not all of them? Did not decide to do that. Are she going to get angry at us and tell us to get out of there? You know the answer, probably not. Maybe some of the kids who just got adopted, John, Chris, Wendy, they're going to sit there in this moment. They've been here for, for years. They've longed and they prayed for the day that one day they would be a part of someone's family. And then someone comes and says, we want you to be in our family. Do they stop and go, no. Not unless you take all of our friends. We won't go until you take all of them. I don't know if you know where I'm going with this. Brothers and sisters, I need to tell you something about me. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. I was in the orphanage. And I was the smelliest, stinkiest, nobody ever wanted me kid. And God in his infinite mercy and grace said, you will be my son. I am so overcome by the the, the mercy and grace that he would choose someone as me. That I don't think oftentimes always of him being somehow evil for not choosing all. Why me? Why me? Of all people, why me? 
This is good news because, brothers and sisters, in adoption, how can any one of us boast? How can any one of us boast in what God has done? We can't. All we can do is praise him and point others to the fact and reality that he is a God who calls these, us, in this world, his children. Amen? Number two, it's initiated by God as a loving father. Two, adoption will cause the world to hate us. The word world in our text, we see this in 1B, is cosmos. And you've already heard that First John, I mean, John uses this all the time through his, uh, these three letters. And, and, and cosmos means order world system. It's the world in which we live right now. By the way, did you know this? That God is in control of all things. He's sovereign God. He will write all things and make them all new. But you need to know something right now. That right now, there is a God of this world, and he is Satan. He, own, he is literally doing what he, he desires to do on the earth. And it says that this world, this ordered system, does not, and the text says there in, in 1B, know him. Does not know. The word know here means to recognize, perceive, and or understand. Remember, the world did not recognize, perceive, or understand Jesus. And we have already learned, as we already did this in 1 John, not to understand Jesus is not to understand and or to know God. If you remember, even John himself says other words, other places in his gospel, John 15, 18 through 19, if the world hates you, though that it has hated me before it hated you, if you were of this world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of this world, but I chose you out of this world, therefore the world hates you. Listen, believer, this morning. The word will not, the world will not understand or receive you because it does not understand and it does not receive Jesus Christ. In Christ, we will be a strange, a peculiar, and a very weird people on this globe. We live for the glory of God as disciples of Jesus Christ. In Christ. And we as Christians find great enjoyment in this reality. It's that the Westminster Confession of Faith says that the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. To glorify God and to enjoy Him forever is the theme and the heartbeat of the believer. Look around. Are you going to see this on Fox News? CNN? Whatever other news source you have at this point? I don't think they even matter anymore. God and to enjoy him forever is the heartbeat of the believer. Can you imagine the world that looks at that, smells that, and goes, ah, that doesn't seem too far. Galatians 4, 4 through 7. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. All because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into the hearts of our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then you are heir through God. It's as if though we walk into a dark room at some point. If you, I remember, I'm, I like going into some crazy places, especially as a hunter, living in some foreign places. And, uh, and when I say foreign countries, they have a lot of bugs. One of those foreign places is called Texas. That's another one of those foreign places. 
And you walk into a room, you know the story, you know what happens, you know the scene. You walk into a dark room, it's damp, it's moist, it's whatever. You turn on the light, and guess what you sometimes can see? Taking off and scurrying to every dark other place. What is it? Roaches. Roaches. Sometimes you have superhuman roaches, like the this, like this superpower type that fly. You ever seen those? The ones that scurry and the ones that fly in your face? You've seen those too, right? Roaches can hiss, they can fly, they can do all kinds of things. Here's the thing about roaches. Roaches love darkness. Where there is darkness, the roaches will be. When the light comes on, you turn on that light, guess what the roaches do? They hide. What are they looking for? Dark places. Brothers and sisters, it said that we are a light, of, we are a light in the world. As Christ followers, we are a light in the world. Brothers, I'm telling you right now, sisters, as you walk into the the world, if you go on and continue to turn on lights, you could do this to roaches. If they had the ability, you know what a roach would do to you probably with all his buddies? Who turned on that light? Turn it off. Hey, everybody, get him. Fly in his mouth, right? Roaches will, if they could, get that guy to turn off the light. He's raining on our parade. He's messing up our party. In Jesus Christ, you don't even have to go turn on lights. Brothers and sisters, we are a light in the world. It does not lose its light. We, we, we put it on a, on a hillside so all the world can see it. Just your mere existence for loving God and loving people to the glory of God and enjoying Him will be enough cause for the world in darkness to tell you to shut up and sit down. You don't even have to be arrogant, judgmental. Just existing is a killjoy to the world. Just loving Jesus above everything else is a killjoy the world. Brothers and sisters, this is the issue. The world lives in utter darkness, and they hate the light. And so if you are living for the light in a dark world, they will hate you. However, sadly, there are many who claim to know and be in Christ, which never will receive the world's disdain, because they, unfortunately, have never, even with their profession, taken on the focus, the vision, and the love of Jesus Christ, Jesus and the Father, being more like the world than they are like Christ. Little light ever shines off of them in the darkness. If we claim to be children of God, then you will expect that some of your father will rub off on you. I know people say this about my family sometimes. They meet Elijah, Josiah, Elizabeth. People have looked at Misty and said, you know what, that kid is just, he's just like you. Oftentimes, if you ever get to know Elizabeth more than all my children, you'll probably look at her and go, you're just like your father. There is a sense in which, with which God is our father that you would think that he would rub on, off on us a little bit. I want people to look at you and go, you're just like your daddy. Daddy is like you. Just like your father. You've got so much him in you. We see this actually in verse 2b. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet, been, uh, yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Everyone who, who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Be like your father. If we claim to be children of God and we, we fail to take on the image, character, and nature of God, John tells us, if you remember, we are liars. All we prove is to be illegitimate children of God. Even in our text this morning, as we looked on, it says that we are liars. Third and finally, okay? Three. Three is this. Adoption provides God's children an inheritance. 
Now, this is really cool, I think. I, I love history. In the Roman Empire, adoption was the most common way to ascend to the throne without use of force. The second emperor, Tiberius, was the adopted son of Augustus, beginning a general tradition that the emperor adopt, he adopt a successor. Now, during the Roman Empire, in its first 200 years of existence, this tradition was common. Tiberius, Caligula, Nero, Trajan, Hadrian, Antoninus Pius, Marcus Aurelius, Lucius Verus, and famously Julius Caesar all became emperors through, guess what? Adoption. Did y'all know that? I knew a little bit about that. And then I started studying more. I learned a whole lot more about that. That's crazy to me. The issue before this, adoption for the Roman Empire, this is what happened. He had son that were given. In other words, he birthed, uh, he didn't birth anything. Let me just say that. Let's give that back to the ladies, okay? He didn't birth anything. But he sired children. They were blood. They were given to him physically. And they are heirs to him and his throne. But oftentimes, blood was a threat to his throne. They had something they could point to. And oftentimes an emperor would choose his successor because it was a choosing thing. It was, I choose this person to be. The thing about that is adoption. Brothers and sisters, listen. He has physical children, physical children, and they are heirs. But he takes on another who's adopted. Guess what happens with that adopted child? They became heirs as well at the same level as those who were born by him. And in some regards, more. You weren't just given to me as my children. I chose you. Chose you to be my heir. Do we realize the significance of this? We, all of us, were nothings. We were all helpless in every way, fully dependent, and through the gospel of Jesus Christ and the work of God's Spirit in us, we are now called His children, heirs, given a robe and given a ring. Question that I have this morning for you is this. What kind of love is this? It is a great, sacrificial, pure, and lavish love. Do not get caught up. Listen to me, please. You know what I love about this church? You have people who are reformed, non-reformed. They're this, they're this, or that. We're opening up our Bibles to understand what the Scripture teaches. I don't, I don't want you to get caught up on who receives this love. Is he one? Is she one? Is that person that? Is that person that? Listen, adopting love is always seen in those, listen to me, who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. Amen? How do you know who's adopted? Those who love God. That's who. Who are sealed with the Holy Spirit, as we will see in just a second. Watchman Nee recounts a time when a new Christian came to see him. The man was deeply distressed. This is a missionary and author, and he says, The man said, no matter how much I pray, no matter how hard I try, I simply cannot seem to be faithful to my Lord. Then he complained to Watchman Nee, I think I am losing my salvation. To which Nee replied, do you see this dog here? He is my dog. He is house trained. He never makes a mess. He is obedient. He is pure, a pure delight to me. Out in the kitchen, I have a son, a baby son. 
He makes a mess. He throws his food around. He fouls his clothes. He is a total mess. But who is going to inherit my kingdom? Not my dog. My son is my heir. You are God's heir because it is for you that he died. What love is this? In all the world, there has never been a greater love. And in Christ, it is lavished upon us. Do you see it, church? Have you submitted to it? I want to read you four verses, and then I'm going to be in conclusion. Okay? Those four verses are this. Ephesians 1, 13-14. In Him, meaning Christ, God, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, praise of His glory. 1 Peter 1, 3-5. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, according to His great mercy, He has caused us. I, I'm not saying this. this is, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Isn't that interesting? He's keeping it, not you. Who by God's power, by God's power, are being guarded, meaning us in our faith, by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. Amen? You know what that means? It's not going to depend on me. Hallelujah. Just ask my wife. It doesn't depend on me. 2 Corinthians 1, 21-22. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ. And he has anointed us and has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a, listen, I love this word, guarantee. Your check will bounce. Your word means nothing. Christ's check never has bounced, and his word is true. Romans 8, 16 through 17. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. This adoption into the family of God being God's children, should lead us to grow deeper in our understanding and delight to serve our Lord, our King, and yes, our Father in this life. We are children of the King, and the King is victorious. He's victorious. question is, do we believe it? Do we believe His Word? Do we live like it? Do you realize that if you are in Christ Jesus, yes, you wear a ring on your finger, and the insignia is God. He is victorious. This morning I will close with this. I can't only speak to me. We had someone come in this week to visit us. And I was able to share a bit of my testimony. I'm not going to do that today. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> 20 more minutes. Let me tell you how I know I came to Christ. Um, the one thing I, I was able to point to at least, and I'm so grateful to be able to do this often, is to point to the lavished love of Jesus. How great is 
the love he has given. This guy, not looking for that love, knew me before I came to Christ. I hated him. I hated God. I spent many nights in my apartment cursing him, cursing him, let me. God's love lavished on me. And I boast in nothing save the cross of Jesus Christ for which I do not understand it. I don't understand. But I know this. He saves me. I am saved. And my life shall be spent for His glory. Amen? For His glory, for my good, and yes, for my joy. Chief in the morning, glorify God and Him forever. He deserves all His glory. And I pray that we as believers, adopted sons and daughters of God, in this room, have great joy in glorifying Him. Amen for adoption. Amen. Amen. That I can put the king's insignia ring on my hand. And I'm not even a Jew. I'm not even the best Gentile. If it weren't for him, I could not and would not stand here. All to the praise of his glory. Father God, I come before you now. I love you and I thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that, Lord God, that we cannot run up to you and say, Have you seen us? Thought about taking us into the family of God? What would you see in us to warrant such adoption? But Lord God, your grace and your mercy and your love, Lord God, is. I pray that if there's any in this room, even now, Lord God, who does not know you as his father, know you as such. Seal them with the promised Holy Spirit. God is a guarantee of us taking an, our inheritance, which you went to the cross, and as we looked at last week, in the grave, us to accomplish and have. I love you, and I thank you for your many blessings in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for adopting us. For it's in your name. Amen.